With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Niall lives on a hill, a very steep hill, which is great for the calf muscles. But when it comes to squeezing in and out of that parking space between the neighbours' pride and joy, Niall begins to worry. I wonder if they use recycled plastic to make all the recycling bins. In the new Dacia Duster with automatic gearbox and hill start assist, at least hills are nothing to worry about. And from only €45 per week on the road, nor is the price. Visit the Dacia sales event from the 18th to the 20th of November. Don't worry, be Duster. Offer made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. See Dacia.ie. It's the bloodandmud.com podcast. We have reached episode number 17, believe it or not. Uh, I am Lee Calvert. I'm the editor of bloodandmud.com, and over there is... I'm Josh Gardner, editor of rugbyshowwatch.com. What have we got coming up this week, then? Well, we're going to take the rugby issues of the week, we're going to sort of ram them into a cannon and then fire them at point-blank range in John Inverdale's face to see if it makes it look any better. I doubt it. Makes it look less like a provincial serial killer. Um, there's more of the usual this week to be a review of the games some shit good from the weekend also Josh and I will be debating a great length of shit and good teams of the tournament we'll see that'll be fun um, we'll ask once again how the hell a certain player got a cap it's the centre again like last week however the other end of the scale from the centre is very much the other end of the scale last week um, we'll finish as always with the loop and we've got a bit of a competition, not a competition, but some offers of a T-shirt on the website that I'll talk about as well. So that'll do us for this week, won't it, Josh, I think? I think it'll do nicely. So the tournament comes to an end. It does indeed. Um, I do. I did say on Twitter that I'm kind of glad it's come to an end because I want to really d- devote all of my time to Zebra Shipwatch between now and the end of the season. <laughs> and I feel this, is, this but... international tournament's been a slight distraction, I'll be honest. It definitely has. I mean, they haven't had a game in, what, two, three weeks? Uh, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm getting that's, a bit... Frankly, that's increasing the Zebra Shipwatch time yeah. slightly unfairly because a... they haven't had... I'm getting a bit toey about it now. I can feel myself yeah. a bit of a hair trigger. Anyway, mm, I know. 
the six nations did come to an end with it with the 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 not quite as super Saturday as last year. Let's be honest. No, I'll be honest. I was quite glad to see the back of this tournament. To be honest, uh, and not just because England won it. It was kind of a bit. Not so you say. I mean, obviously that was a part of it. I'm not going to tell a lie, but it's just particularly in the last fortnight, it's all just descended into such a mess of ill will and shite that. I'm kind of just glad to be done with it all now. Yeah, let's nip this in the bud quite quite quickly. I'm not going to talk about the Marlott incident again. I think, no. one, nobody wants to hear me going about it again. And I think, <laughs> two, I don't think there's anything else I can say about it. A combination no. of, of written pieces, Twitter, and comment responses all over various platforms is quite enough yeah. now. Needless to say, Very much so. in case you haven't picked up on it, I didn't agree with it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of got the, the subtle subtext of that, yeah. So let's talk about this tournament, which you're glad to see the back of, which, of course, was a mm. glorious, probably the greatest tournament there's ever been, certainly in the past 13 well, years yes. for somebody like me. But um, <laughs> France 30, 21, England 31 was the game that finished the shop, the top of the shop. Mm. I had to watch this on delay because if you if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I, due to a cataclysmic error, I'd agreed some weeks before to an airport run not realising that this game kicked off so late. Uh, you had a bit of a So I had to basically you? ignore everything and just like cl- drive back from Manchester <laughs> with my eyes closed and the radio off. Um, so what have we got to say about this game then, Josh? you want to kick us well, off? Well, I mean, Grand Slam decided games are very rarely ones of high quality because, you know, the team that needs to win is obviously a little bit tense and nervy. And, and it, this wasn't really a very good game either, but it was actually quite you know, enjoyable at times, I thought. It was quite a compelling one. There was a bit of an ebb and flow to it, at least for the first half. Um, And I think it was quite a good reflection of what this England side have done to actually earn the title. You know, they they weren't particularly brilliant or amazing, but they were efficient, they were composed, and they they had the measure of a team that wasn't as good at them. Is that that a long way of saying not much? A little bit, yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, you know... I, I, I don't want to take it. They will have a bit of an asterisk next to this championship, won't they? I mean, going back to, to I'll come on to that later, but going back to the game on Saturday, France were, even though they were slightly better, were a complete shambles. Samuel Samuel they, Honeywell on, on Twitter said that that was France's best performance of the tournament, which says a lot. Yeah, I mean, it was it was certainly their best performance of the tournament for about twenty five minutes. But after that, I mean, particularly in the second half, they were dreadful. People keep talking about. It. People have said quite a lot about. It. it was a gutsy performance. You don't go to Paris and win easy. It's you know not not no, very exactly. often anyway. And it was a gutsy performance by England. But and and people talk and there's a lot of talk about how much fight the France put up. But actually, it was the it fight was a little bit like you know when it, when you have a dog and it goes into have its nuts cut off and it's under anaesthetic mm. and as it's coming round, it doesn't know what's going on and starts to growl and snap. <laughs> and then just kind of like yes. wobbles around a bit and goes back to sleep. That's that kind of what France it, was. They'd it? kind of woken up a bit and thought, oh shit, we're meant to be doing something here. And, and they, they... Well, but Yeah, they they showed fight in the same way that we'll come on to later, Italy showed fight against Wales in that they didn't overtly give up. No. But they didn't really... At no point, um, as a, a neutral, I, I imagine that most England fans didn't feel this way, but at no point did they ever think that England were going to lose that game at I all I think that's the thing for me because... I, wasn't, I couldn't get that excited because there was a sense of inevitable I mean I was excited absolutely I was there was a sense of inevitability from about Tuesday that this is how this is going to go it will yeah. be very especially... very matter of fact very sort of business like and they're just going to mm. win yeah and and at no point particularly as soon as Plisson came on and Tran Duke went off it was just <laughs> like well 
<laughs> you might as well start getting the champagne chilled, boys, because this one's going to be a slam. And at no point did France ever look like scoring a try. Somebody moaned at me on Twitter for, at the time for sort of jinxing them by saying that at no point France ever looked like scoring a try, but they really didn't. They looked like they could still be playing in six months' time at that stadium, and all yeah. they would be was very tired and still not having scored a try. Yeah, they basically looked like when, like, you know, they looked like they'd gone home with a, with a girl and gone to sleep with her, but then kind of pissed the bed at the last yes. minute or threw up oh, and that was the, oh, oh, oh yeah. sorry love <laughs> never mind but what is what is Guinoves doing with this team I'd love to did know did you notice because... that, that thing that they do that even when police came on it was the same in Trandu it was on to be honest off first phase they go through three sets of hands without moving mm. forward so they just throw it backwards and all the England defence yeah. had to do was walk up slowly to their <laughs> yeah, man they didn't even need to and then the person it's... at 13 was kind of stood there 20 metres behind the game line they were basically like to use an NFL term manufacturing their own fourth and long all the they time they were weren't they it wasn't it was like they look they don't just look like clueless and limited in a in a Wales-esque they're, they're struggling to make good decisions clueless and limited they look they, it's like when the ball comes out of the ruck, it's genuinely like none of the players have any idea what's supposed to happen next. And to be fair, Mashino um, does his job. He gets the ball away. Yeah. It all just seems to go terribly badly after that. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, they have more structure with Tranduga 10, but, and Plisson's awful, obviously. But, like, it's 15 individuals. There's no sense that, like, anyone has even casually chatted in the dressing room beforehand about what they might do. Because when you think about it, like, they're at home. That France were at home. Hmm. And England gave away fourteen penalties. I know. And How do you not win that game the, if you're France? That's the only reason they got they didn't get nilled was that England's <laughs> discipline is continuous yeah. remains a real problem. Um, but they just they created so little. And like I know Noves has talked about France players expressing themselves and having the freedom to sort of do things that they didn't have under Saint-André but I don't think he gets that they actually need some structure to actually do the individual stuff we're in he's just sort of sending them out there like they're an under nines team or something and saying go and have a run around lads chuck it about have a laugh see what happens Cause it, I mean, it, and it just doesn't work it was a good win you don't, I don't understand like I'm mm. being a negative arse all about this but it, it was a good win but you know, no, it has to be qualified no. the fact that they gave away 14 penalties and they played against a team in the second half that had no line out at all, at all I, I think you know, I, I got to give it to Kruis and Itoje though. Like there were a couple of moments where, and they've done it in like three games on the bounce now, where there's been a threat of some sort of shift in momentum, mm. and there's been a penalty conceded inevitably by England, and the the kick to the corner has happened, and they've every time they've managed to work out that line out and disrupt it in some way, shape, or form, or turn it over, and that's not luck. That's Kruis being a fucking sublime line-out operator and Itoje obviously having bloody springs for legs and you, you, that's basically won them three games on because you, you look mm. at the like the opportunities that they denied France they denied Wales and they denied Ireland with that and it's it's been huge for them yeah I think there's a couple of things there's th- that line-out as you know you, you don't disrupt that much opposition line-out across that many games without it being something to no. do with you and not them <laughs> yeah um the breakdown, while not perfect, has and still giving away penalties, has been transformed in that they're actually winning some breakdown. And I think yeah, it's it's a different kind of the they lack they still lack finesse and they still lack craft at the breakdown. 
but they're sort of counteracting it with power and intensity and that kind of does the job in a way and they're getting it they're getting the ball away quicker and then they're playing a bit flatter and i think farrell's Mm. helping that and that's that that's all built for the future but i come back to this point that you made a few i think it was last week or the week before on the pod when you said that nobody's talking about it much but this team looks a lot like they did last year in the six nations when lancaster was in charge yeah and it's what you started to realise is that actually the performances in the World Cup were probably the outliers. That wasn't yeah. typical of what this team's been doing for four years. No. It's the same personnel. And actually, Jones, because he's Jones and he's very good, has brought a little bit of extra in. But I think yeah, he definitely it was has. A com- I think it yeah. looks like the more you look at that World Cup, it was a combination of, I think Lancaster, it seems, went missing from a leadership mm. point of view and the players subsequently froze. Yeah. I think that there was so much expectation heaped for the home World Cup because of how well they'd done in the Six Nations a couple of years previously, because of you know all of this hashtag carry them home, you know ridiculous hype train that England went on. That's coming your way, like, don't forget. Oh God, I can't wait. Um, in case you don't know, the, uh, the 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 WRU have employed the England RFUs. Ahead of media, they've nicked him or her. Not if it's a man or a woman, yes. actually. Him so, or her. So all. So you Welsh should get to look forward to more. I am Wales, <laughs> but worse. <laughs> Some more very creative hashtagging in our future. Let's can't wait for that. Um, but yes, they. They. I think they just. They all. The players froze under the, the limelight and the pressure, and the management did so as well. And I think that's the difference between England then and England now is that Jones doesn't really care he doesn't give a shit about no. the weight of expectation that the English public or the English media are putting on him he's there to do a job and he and that calmness and that sort of lack of giving a shit I think is probably quite contagious and it's it's helped them get over the line in a way that they obviously haven't for the last three or four years yeah because they visibly look more relaxed I think you can see they feel more comfortable yeah, in themselves and, and I, I don't know if that was the well you know the monastic nature of of, of Lancaster's reign, but yeah. either way, I think a, a lot of it's winning though. I, I mean, yeah. I was th- I was trying to I was thinking earlier on actually, have they ever been behind by more than like like more than a score in this tournament? Because I'm not sure I can remember them being behind. Obviously, I, like, I won't off the top of my head, but it, I, I I know what you're saying. They do seem to have got a nudge ahead in every game, don't they? Not yeah, they started well, and then yeah, and and I think that will probably be the an interesting moment for this team is if they do get down to someone like Australia in the summer, have they got the ability to fight back? Because hmm. they, they seem to be able to cope with the expectation of being in the front. But it's that. Can they I mean, flip it around a bit, I guess? Whisper it. They've just become what a very good England team is. Physically very capable. Yeah. Dominant in a set piece. You know, good kicker. Solidly yeah, it's, it's... scoring, scoreboard ticking over, etc., etc., etc. That's yeah. apart from that one period with Woodward between '99 and 2000, and the beginning of 2003. That's what England mm. have always been. That's the yeah. that's the only pocket of time when they've been this irresistible attacking force, really. Yeah, no, they've 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 sort of rediscovered the national identity in a way, haven't mm. they? And, and we certainly have. Well, if it wins Grand Slams, who's complaining? The trouble well, is, it's exactly, not going to win yeah. a World Cup. No, and I don't think it'll win them too many. They they need to. They can't stay where they are. They can't be comfortable where they are. And I don't think Jones will let them stay where they are because I don't think playing as they have this year and the level of performance that they've got this year is not going to be good enough to win the Six Nations next year. No, because they're not going to get it. I mean, I know there's no easy Grand Slam one, 
I no, know that, not. but there are easier Grand Slams won, and I think yeah. everyone would be a fool not to admit that this year was an easier Grand Slam. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, it sounds like I am taking something away from it. I suppose I am a bit. You can't ignore the fact that you have to a little bit. It's not, you know, it wasn't, yeah, and... nobody was really far on all cylinders. England have done a brilliant job given where they've come from. But I suppose, again, Absolutely. As, as we've said, I don't think they were that bad to start with. No. I, no they I weren't really that bad to start with. We just had a very bad tournament. I think a lot of people got very carried away after the World Cup in sort of doom and glooming these this group of players where I don't think they were ever actually that awful. They had a bad World Cup. But... And there's still the key questions that haven't been answered. Can we compete, as you said, can we compete in a breakdown against a Southern Hemisphere team consistently and do that job properly? Yeah. And can we can we score enough tries that aren't either against Italy or aren't mm. kind of against the shambles, which is what France were? Yeah, so we'll see. The... So that was that. Um, it wasn't. I say it was a reasonable enough game, wasn't it? It was vaguely compelling, definitely. It wasn't a high quality game, but it was a you know. And an France always have a certain amount of watchability about them, either good or bad, don't they? Really? Yes. Well, there's there's no getting away from the fact that they are interesting, even when they're not very interesting. Okay, let's move on to uh, the early game that that day. Then the first game of the day, which was your lot versus yeah, that terrible lot. Wales sixty seven, oh, Italy fourteen. I actually it's... didn't see this game. Because mm. I was up to because I didn't, and because I didn't think there'd be much point. But I, say, but to, am I safe in saying that it was largely pointless and nobody learned a fucking thing? Well, yeah. I mean, this. What can you say about it? For the second year in a row, Wales have proved that they're the only team that they're not afraid to pass against mm-hmm. is Italy, and the result was once again an absolute hammering, and even more one-sided one than last year. I will say, Italy weren't as good as, as bad as they were against Ireland last week. They, it wasn't the case that as soon as Wales scored, they gave up like it was against Ireland. They they were they were still fighting and they still brought an intensity and a physicality to the tackle and to the breakdown. And then they scored a couple of tidy tries um, in the second half. And I mean, they're still hideously inept and limited, though. And I know they've got a huge injury list, but they were really like they're dreadful. And yeah, Wales can only beat what's in front of them, I guess. And it was a neat, much needed confidence boost ahead of their trip back to Twickenham for the worst fixture idea in the history of rugby TM in May um, and then the tour to New Zealand obviously but I don't really know what you can take from it to be honest with you it's like um, it's like every game in Italy this year this is a bit like you know it's like Wales, Luke Charters kind of represents Wales and like a small child represents Italy and Luke Charters is holding yeah. the balloon up at his height mm. And and this Italy child's jumping up and down trying to get the ball. And it's funny for about two minutes. <laughs> and then after that, it just becomes yeah. uncomfortable. And the kid ends up crying to his dad. And his dad says, I don't give a fuck. I'm leaving anyway. And Conor O'Shea's probably not coming in now either. So it's kind of... it's <laughs> Yeah. and, and it's, it's frustrating. Like, I will never get bored of Wales scoring 60-odd points. I did see the highlights. And, and, they, look. and they scored some very good Even tries. Even Jamie Roberts you know, passed. It must have been a big day. He did. He, this, he certainly did pass. And... From that point of view, it was actually very encouraging, but it's frustrating because it does demonstrate yet again that Wales can play rugby with pace and precision and all that good shit when they want to. But unless they're playing against an absolutely dreadful team or they're so far behind that the game is basically over, they're too scared to do it, and that's a massive, massive black mark. Because that's the thing, isn't it? You look at this and you think, well, this gives us a nice bounce into the summer with this style of play. This is what we'll work on from now on. But actually, that's not going to happen, is it? Yeah, if, if this is the moment where... 
Wales suddenly realised that this style of play works, and they were, you know, they were too loose at times on on Saturday, and they were throwing it around like nobody's business. But if that was some way the start of something, then it would be a very promising and good result because it points in the right direction. But as last year proved, you know, Wales can do that in one game and then just revert to type as soon as they have to play against anyone half decent. Mm. I thought it was very interesting to see all the calls for. Georgia's potential inclusion in the tournament after the game and after Italy's historically awful Six Nations I think it's the most points they've ever conceded and all this stuff and I can see where they're coming from because obviously Georgia won the Six Nations B or whatever they call it these days in front of 50,000 people in Tbilisi and you can't imagine that Georgia would really be much worse than Italy at the moment they'd probably be a fair bit better but I think they'd look like they cared a bit more that's the really well, yeah. upsetting thing. You can't help not having any talent, but you can help just giving up, which is what they seem to be yeah, doing. Yeah, it does a bit, doesn't it? Certainly, once they lost that... Basically, from the second half of that England game, they haven't been bothered at all. No. Like, they showed a little bit of gumption against Scotland, I guess, but... I do think that yeah. this is a kind of, we don't give a shit until Brunel goes anymore. I think this is the worst tournament for them. They've not been doing that well anyway. Brunel's going. No, injury's massive I don't think and he's going. I don't seem to like him very much anyway, I don't think. And he's no. off, and they're just thinking, let's just get through this <coughs> and let's start again in the summer. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's no way on earth that, that Italy are ever going to get tossed out of the Six Nations, because, especially for the expense for Georgia, because it's a numbers game, isn't it? You know, Italy's got a population of 60 million people, and Georgia's got a population of five million yes. not five people <laughs> and uh, and that's going to be a big difference in terms of TV money and sponsorship and all that stuff and that is ultimately what makes the greatest championship in rugby or whatever the hell they call it go round and I d- well yeah because the only there's no way they're going to kick Italy out they'd have to the only way you could make it work because Italy will just refuse to go anyway mm. and where'd you go they'll probably it'll be in court for three years and um, yeah and the, the only way you could maybe do it is to, to make it that everybody wins a bit but the only way you could do that is by probably getting two divisions and stuff yeah. like that. But then I just it's just a mess. It's just it? not, not enough. Happen. Yeah, there's not enough teams in, in Europe that are decent. I think to make it like two. And Italy are that little bit better because what you're yeah, doing they is probably you're, would. you're dealing with Georgia because Romania aren't that good. Beyond that, you're no. into real shit. So yeah, you're into Germany and Portugal Italy and Russia. Italy are that little bit better than Georgia. Whatever, whatever mm. people might think from the World Cup, whatever might people might think from Italy's position now, they are yeah. a bit better than Georgia. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have any doubt if, if they that played if each other playoff, ten times, they would win. Georgia yeah, might Italy win one. Would. Yeah, and that's the truth of the matter, isn't it? You know, don't get me wrong, Georgia would get better. If it'd be lovely to have them around. A great, you know, they're a lovely yeah. team to watch. They've got full of characters. Absolutely. I'm sure the crowds would be brilliant. The fans yeah. would be great, but you know, there you go. Con- Conor yeah, O'Shea doesn't game. want the job anymore, apparently, does he? No, although it amused me that the uh, FIR head honcho guy was throwing around Michael Checker's name, and it's like, is that who you honestly think you're going to get? You've got about as much the chance of getting Michael Checker as Jesus Christ. You might as well throw his name around <laughs> well, because that, that's well, yeah, exactly. Hulk Hogan. I mean, at least, at least the Italians have got a sway with the Pope enough to get. <laughs> That's Jesus true. Christ is their new coach, but God, I'm not sure that they've got any sway in Australia. Yeah, I, I mean, think Michael Checker thinks he's Jesus Christ, to be honest. Well, yeah, I mean, you can blame him, but there's, I just don't understand what they. I mean, if Conor O'Shea has just gone seriously, look at that shambles. I don't want any part of that. Then they could do a lot worse than Lancaster. 
and I think he'd be a very very astute yeah. signing for them. But yeah, it just shows. I don't know why Conor O'Shea's gone, not really. going to Munster. That well, that is an the obvious talk. fit, doesn't it? That is the talk that he has basically looked at Italy and gone, "Oh, international rugby's good, but this is a shambles, and I quite like to be dressed in rugby at Munster." So, with it leverage yeah. to get an Ireland job at some point, that seems like a perfect uh, plan. Doesn't presumably, it? Presumably, yes, yeah. Okay, so there you go. So Wales end in a way that doesn't really tell us much. Italy is still shot. No. That's the kind of top and bottom of that. Basically, right then. Ireland thirty-five, Scotland. 25 as, as Callum Gillen uh, sometimes contributed to, to my blog and friend of the pod said um, on Twitter at the time <laughs> oh goody the real Scotland are back <laughs> oh, there were some classic Scottish moments of wonderful ineptness and just terrible luck it, yeah, combined to it, lose it, that it game was not as close as that scoreline suggests that no. game and no and 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 yet Ireland didn't really have to do much no. <laughs> to, at all. They were they were comfort like I mean, quietly they have started to turn things around over the course of the tournament. Like they had their nadir against France, obviously, but I think they've gradually improved as some of their big players like Sexton and Murray and Donica Ryan and Heaslip have started to find a bit of form again. But yeah, I mean It's that exact I mean they were just Sexton played well for long enough to show what a difference he makes. And Scot- yes, Scotland played like Scotland long enough to still demonstrate what a difference <laughs> Vern still needs to make. He's making. Is yeah, making, yeah. but still needs to make. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're definitely... Scotland are without doubt the most fluid attacking team in the Six Nations, and they're definitely the team that I enjoy watching. The they're most. the best team once they but, get beyond the gain line. Once they're yes. beyond the gain line, they use the ball better than any other team in the tournament, and Absolutely. they look comfortable doing it as well. Mm. They just lack that nous and that edge that the best teams have to sort of turn a game round when things are not really going that way and I think that was on display particularly in the discipline yeah. side of things it was what two yellow cards 19 points shipped and that's the game lost John Barkley was just he was nailed oh that was he just was nailed cool. on for that yellow card for about minute number two it was it was, and it was always him why the hell he didn't stay yes. somebody said look you lie on the fucking wrong side the next time <laughs> he, he knows it's me you know, was, he just kept going I'll, I'll take one this after one the other. I'll lie the wrong side again pen. this time it was just pen after pen after pen inside the 22 and it's like just stop <laughs> doing it man Use just, use no. your brain to understand the words the referee has said to you about yeah. twelve times already, and stop <laughs> doing it. Yeah, I mean, then obviously the the Taylor one was just reckless and silly yes. again. But it's you know it, it was the the thing that lost in the game that and a massive hilarious stroke of Irish luck that was Keith Hills's try. Oh, yeah, yeah, which. I mean, if you'd soundtrack that with Benny Hill music, it would have been entirely appropriate. And it was such a shame it was Stuart Hogg involved in it, wasn't it, really? It was just just, he didn't deserve that. Because, yeah, I I think Ireland, they're obviously a team in transition, and like Wales, they're they're quite stifled and shackled by Schmidt's quite rigid game plan. But they they know how to defend, and they've got some some hard forwards, and they found some good new forwards over the course of this tournament as well, I think. And, like, what, they scored three tries from the grand distance of about six inches like that sort of shows the kind of game that they were set up to Joe, play and Scotland didn't have much of an answer to it did they Joe Smith's weird because his Leinster team played good rugby but he strikes they really he strikes did. me as that kind of coach who blows his whistle mm. every like five minutes and says everybody stand still 
Why are you stood there? Why are you stood there? What are you doing there? You should be four yeah. feet over there. He gets that. He, he really gives me that kind of impression. But players seem to love mm. him, so that can't be the case. But what, what was the ref like in that game? By the way, he was he was in his in his Shakespearean soliloquies in a, in a French accent. Yeah. He would not shut up, would he? There's an absolutely brilliant just... clip that Harping on Rugby on Twitter put up. Did you see it? Yeah. When he, I didn't actually. He know. Says, it's 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 Heaslip and Laidlaw stood there, and he says, and he says, my message is clear, and both of them at exact same time shrug their shoulder and shake their head and walk off. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the thing. He was just. I mean, there is obviously a not uncommon phenomenon of refs deciding that they'd like to be on television, yeah. and. It was, you know, he just seemed to really enjoy being. We can't, we can't all be Nigel, can we? It's like no, you get the odd football uh, manager that tries to be Brian Clough, but you just can't. You've got, yes, you know, it's not you're just born that way, or no. you're not, and that's the end of it. Um, there were, I mean, that game. There were probably parts of that game where the ball assumed mythical characteristics to Scotland players because they'd not had it in their hands for so long. Just went, no, I remember I'm... the ball. I saw a glimpse of it once. <laughs> it was a magical thing, you know. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the blueprint that England used very well as well. And I think Ireland definitely did their homework there. It's that you don't need to chuck it around and play Scotland at their own game. Really, you just need to to keep it really tight. Keep it and away you need from to them. To be and physical and just yeah, just play possession rugby. Just basically. keep it away from. It's not them very exciting. Wait till John Barkley starts lying all over the wrong side of the ball. <laughs> they had, they had to the wait about they, seventy they la- seconds on Saturday for that to happen. Well, yeah. But that back row lacks discipline to, to, to defend for long periods of time, I think. It's very obvious. They're so much more comfortable with the ball and they want to get it back and they want to do stuff yeah. with it. And I think it does cause this sort of laziness in their forwards where they just they, they take the, the obvious and slightly cheaty route and quite often it ends back. Not enough dog, as they say. No. Excellent. Uh, shout out for Stuart Hogg, though, for his excellent bit of fuck it, I'll do it myself for his try. <laughs> it's certainly... I, I don't think that, like... Oh, that was eulogised at the time for being like all time, all world, all history try. I didn't actually think it was that great. I thought it was a very good try, but like it was basically fast lad spots a gap in between two front row forwards and accelerates. It's symptomatic of the quality of the tournament that somebody who runs through a gap yeah. and runs through an open field to the line is seen as the greatest. Yeah. I think it's more. It's relative to what we've had to witness for most of the time, apart from against Italy, yeah. which doesn't count. So. <laughs> No, exactly, and, and I, th- I almost think that anything that anyone did against Italy in any of the games this tournament should be sort of stricken from the record a little bit. Yes, because I've seen some some articles today, sort of looking at the stats about Wales as Six Nations and were they really as bad as it looked? And well, looking at those stats, probably not, because you'd have the massive, fucking huge outlier of putting sixty-seven points on Italy. To completely skew any yeah, their points difference is brilliant. Made yeah. sense once, yeah. And they scored loads of tries. Of course they did. They put sixty-seven points on Italy. You know it's oh. yes, and it's a, yeah, yeah. So and speaking of stats, obviously the Six Nations Player of the Tournament is based on stats a lot, which is ridiculous list. But we'll come on to that a bit later on. Mm. That was the games. Then that's the end of the tournament. Yes. Let's uh, do this. The shit good rating system, the only rating system that matters. Right, Josh. Let's yeah. um, while we're kind of moving into there about the tournament and, and things like that, let's let's yeah. let's talk about from a shit good point of view from the tournament. Now we've been saying pretty much all the way through that it's been 
shit. Most people have been saying mm. that. There's some revisionism now coming in, saying, well, actually, it, <laughs> it wasn't as bad as you think. <laughs> You're all just are wrong. So let's just have a look at this game by game very quickly and try and yes. rate each game as shit or good and see if we actually come, come, come to one side. Was it a good tournament or wasn't it? Scotland 9, England 15. That was shit. a shit game, I would have said. Yeah. One for the purists, I think. I think genuinely one for the was... purists, but it was still a shit game. It yeah, no, it wasn't really good. France 23, Italy 21. That was all right. It was all right. I mean, it was incompetent, but it was all right. <laughs> but it was entertaining. Yes. It was, a, it was a entertaining incompetence, so that's what really matters. Yes. Ireland 16, yeah. Wales 16. That was, a de- that was a good game. It was decent, was a decent yeah. Game. I think the comeback, uh, but... the comeback from Wales and so on and all that, you can't, you can't stress yeah. that. Wales 27, Scotland 23 was good. That was a good game. Good game. Uh, yeah. France 10, Ireland 9. It was basically like <laughs> Bebonic was... Plague, but with better songs. It was... Yeah, I've never... No. no just Italy no. 9, England 40, crap. But I mean, yeah, you've got to write off all the Italy ones this year, is that really? And also, England were dog shit for 45 minutes of that and only woke up after when Italy were actually exhausted. Wales 19, Memories France of... 10. God, Friday awful. night clinical depression for everyone. Yep, that was awful. That was... England 21, Ireland no. 10. Perfectly businesslike. Decent enough game. I yeah, it was thought. all right. Italy 20, Scotland 36. That was a good game. That was a good game. That was a good yeah. game. Uh, England 25, Wales 21. Yeah, well, yeah, I think it was. I think yeah. Wales' rally at the end made it a good game. It was an entertaining game. Yeah. A good game. Uh, Ireland 58, Italy 15. No. No. Scotland 29, France 18. Probably the best game of the tournament, arguably. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly yeah. for the way Scotland plays, that was good. France 21, England 31. I thought it was a good game because I enjoyed watching us win a Grand Slam, but it wasn't a great spectacle of rugby. It was efficient it was all right. and all right. It was, it was, all right. It was yeah. actually a very typical Six Nations game. It was kind of good yeah. and solid and all right. Hmm. Ireland 35, Scotland 25. That was all right. That was a yeah. good game. Yeah, good game. Right. And then obviously Wales, Italy. Actually, it wasn't good. It was all right. It was all right. Yeah. But it has to be one of, one, of the, one of the other. Yeah, it was. Okay, it was shit. <laughs> so Wales 67 Italy 14 shit no nope. looking back over it there are probably we've probably said the word good a bit more than I would think we would do it's probably yeah, fair enough to say I think I think there was probably like one decent game every weekend so but there was quite often one apocalyptically bad to one pull it all down to counteract it if, if this yeah. was scales Every time you put a little brick on the good scale, somebody came and lobbed a <laughs> breeze block made of petrified yeah, shit the onto thing. the other side. It's like the, the the bad games, your France Island, your your France Wales, yeah. and you know they were games that were and, and England Italy as well was dreadful and quite unwatchable. Like I don't, I think that they plumbed depths that did not correspond to the heights that the good games like. Like Ireland, Wales, or Scotland, or France, Scotland, France yeah. did. So, more good games than we probably think. However, the bad games yeah. were so bad that it probably renders the tournament yeah. overall shit. And people should stop yes. pretending that it wasn't. And there was a lot of mediocrity in the middle that kind of just makes you go. Yeah. Mm. So, the only way is up for next year in terms of a, as a spectacle. <laughs> I hope so. I truly hope so. I think we've got a. We've got to think about what we're happy with as a mm. as a as a hemisphere, really. It's I difficult, mean, isn't it? Because you want 
you know, we've been laughing about this greatest championship in the world thing, oldest championship. But it does yeah. have its own history. It is worth. It is. It is a valid yes. and very very important trophy in itself. And you know, there's a tendency to think this is just a four year journey to the World Cup. But I think there has yeah, to be well, there has be to be that. a bit of that because otherwise all you do is just keep winning the Six Nations and go to World Cups and feel like shit yeah, afterwards. So. Fair. A balance has to be struck somewhere, doesn't it? But it's just hard to know which way to go. I don't. I'm pretty sure that Jones will yeah. want to win a World Cup. He won't give a shit about winning well, the Six exactly. Nations overall. And and everyone, look at players like Schmidt and Gatland. Obviously, uh, coaches rather they feel the same. But like, did you see Michael Checker's face when Inverdale asked him if he was worried about England in the summer <laughs> no. at the end of the game? Because it was just a look of sort of he's really trying hard to be diplomatic, but there was a look in his eyes that was basically giggling to himself and that's kind of the only way that like all of the Six Nations teams are going to go to the Southern Hemisphere in the summer and the only team that has got any chance I think of getting a series win is probably Scotland and they're going to Japan Yes. Like, and we have to have a long hard think about whether that's acceptable going forward that we just we win the we play our Six Nations it's kind of entertaining at times but dog shit also and then somebody wins something and all of a sudden we revisionist history and say it's brilliant and then we all go off in the summer or in the autumn and get dicked yeah because i think i think the and... goal has to be i remember uh woodward you know he's a knob but he, he kind of said it, he said at the yes. time and he was right he said he was more proud of beating every <laughs> single team home and away across a two-year period that he wasn't winning the World Cup. Yeah. He said, because he saw that was the true test of his team, winning in New Zealand, winning in Australia. And yeah. that's, and I think, and, and, and if you... Uh, and no team in the Northern Hemisphere has come anywhere close to doing what yeah. that England 2003 team did in terms of results against the Southern Hemisphere. No, like, very few teams have come close to getting that sort of consistency, particularly away from home, God. And, and I suppose that's the target, isn't it? So, yeah, we don't rubbish... Of, Playing a tallest midget thing. Yeah. Niall lives on a hill, a very steep hill, which is great for the calf muscles, but when it comes to squeezing in and out of that parking space between the neighbours' pride and joy, Niall begins to worry. I wonder if they use recycled plastic to make all the recycling bins. In the new Dacia Duster with automatic gearbox and hill start assist, at least hills are nothing to worry about, and from only €45 Euro per week on the road, nor is the price. Visit the Dacia sales event from the 18th to the 20th of November. Don't worry. Be Duster. Offer made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. See Dacia.ie. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Don't want rubbish to Six Nations, but, you know, we have no. to start getting to a situation where Southern Hemisphere teams don't just look at it and go, meh, what does that matter? Yeah, because... Because teams like New Zealand are refusing to schedule games past 2019 because they're not selling out when we come down to yeah. tour. Because 
it's an easy win as far as they're concerned. They're not go- like it's not like when they come up here and it's like oh, it's our, finally our chance to be yeah. at the end of their season. Or and or three days jet lagged. We've got a chance to give them a good idea. Except we don't. Yeah, and but they don't think that about us. They just go, oh well, they're coming down here probably with a weakened team, and we're probably going to win three nil. Yeah. Um. And well, are we really? And history, that? history has shown that that is what is going to happen. It's not even. It's not. It's not well, even yeah, like exactly. they're arrogant about it. That's basically look. You know, <laughs> no, it's they absolutely say, not. They're entitled to look expect at the data, that. mate. They would say. Anyway, mm. right. So yeah, so that was the tournament. We think it was lousy shit. We do think that we need to look bigger beyond that. What's on your shit list yeah. there, Josh? Um, my first one this week, purely because I'm slightly baffled at the amount of um, team of the tournament love he's been getting, and that is Vermi Vakatawa. <laughs> Does he know that those white lines down the sides of the pitch are not supposed to be crossed? Because particularly on Saturday night, he wasn't entirely aware of that. I fact, think he I thinks that think. sometimes the pitch he's... turns beyond 90 degrees, like an inception. That he can bend the world <laughs> and actually run round the, the pitch upside down or something. Yeah, he just kept getting into promising positions and then running into touch when, like, pass, kick, or go to ground and recycle the ball. And he just doesn't, like, it shows he doesn't have any idea how to play rugby in tight spaces because he hasn't played any 15 aside rugby. <laughs> Yeah. Just we can't say it. that often enough. He hasn't played any 15-a-side rugby for three years before no. this tournament when he was dropped straight in. No, and, and it shows. And I just I don't get where... He scored one try as well in the first game against which Italy, decent, which, as we discussed, does not yeah, count. Good finish. It was, but, but, yeah. yeah, it doesn't count. It was against Italy. And, yeah, I just I don't get it. He's got a lot of work to do. that thing about how like, people raved about Hogs try on Saturday, which was a, a wonderful spectacle to see, you know, somebody in full flight mm. and through a gap, and that's what we want to see. But I think Absolutely. it's that thing about that look good because it's relative to everything else. He looks good mm. because he's actually trying to be creative. And, re- and relative to everything else that's happening, it's like a breath of fresh air. The fact that what he creates usually is a massive bag of shit doesn't really seem to register people. So, well, at least he's trying. No. At least it looks like he's trying yes. to do something. Yeah, at least when he gets the ball. Because I was the, over the head offloads he was trying to do on get excited. stuff. Absolutely great. You wanted him yeah. to come off, didn't you? And if they had, yeah. he would have scored. You know, absolutely. there's something about that. But you still can't get away from the fact that he doesn't know where to stand, he doesn't know where to run, no. and he doesn't. And, and neither no. do any of his teammates know what he's going to do. <laughs> no. And that's fine up to a point. But he does need to have some basic yeah. awareness of the dimensions of the pitch. Well, Campisi was like that, but he had an end product. Yes. And the, he's not shown a great deal of it in this tournament, I don't no. think. He's very talented. Yeah. But, yeah, God, he's yeah, not he finished just, Well, he yet. just needs to play 50 to side rugby and now to play as a winger in a structured situation, <laughs> yeah. doesn't he? It's just. You could do with getting a club, let's yeah, say. Yeah, you could do with actually finding a club and playing, you know, 15 aside rugby. <laughs> I know it's an absolutely bonkers idea for an international player to be doing that, but, you know. It's right at a left. I think, there, you know, right, if yeah, anyone wants to email Guy Nove and say, you know, maybe you want to try this, he'll probably just send you back a picture of his own, like, effluent or something. But uh, He probably will. Anyway, right. So, shit list. Um, I, I feel, yes. I do apologise, but I feel I'm going to have to talk about James Haskell again. I, I understand why you feel the need to do that, and I now don't you see, blame you. I genuinely regard. do not go looking for James Haskell stuff, right? People just bring it to me <laughs> like a little gift, like like cats bringing dead animals to my door. People just bring this Haskell stuff to me. He's po- the thing is, though, when when I think when I see him being a dick, my first thought is 
I've got to show leaders. <laughs> and I think that's basically what half of the my, my followers <laughs> on Twitter think now. Yes, um, definitely. Now, obviously, he's posted this thing. Now, you see, I was willing after the game on Saturday. I thought, you know what? I don't like the guy, but he's done exactly what was asked of him. He's never stopped running. Mm. I've got a fair bit of goodwill. He's just won a Grand Slam. Isn't that wonderful? Then, yes. he goes and does this thing <laughs> that basically evaporates all of that goodwill, like, you know, like an oasis in the desert, basically. I mean, you've probably all seen yes. it, but he posted, uh, that he posted at the end of the game, I, I haven't got the, the the direct quote, but basically saying about how those of you who wrote, me, wrote the team off and wrote me off, Grand Slam champions, write that in your crappy blogs and websites. And I responded... <laughs> I'm he can't you, be man, talking about me. I can't. I cannot. You're, you're lucky you didn't get directly atted for that. I one, cannot man. be registering it as high on his agenda that much, surely. But it, but, it probably... <laughs> but I, I absolutely think that you are because, like, as we saw it's last the fact week, he used the word blog. You see. He said exactly. crappy blog, and the fact, and that's probably a fair point. And also, <laughs> to show on the fact that he could get het up enough to complain to a child's school about him saying something true but slightly unkind about him last week. Of course he knows about you. Like, I'd be surprised if he doesn't, like, refresh your <laughs> blood and mud every single day. It's probably in his favourites, and he just goes and fills up his hay hump. And well, then, you know, I, I, and, but it just shows the insecurity of the man. It does give you a strange window into his psyche, doesn't it? That Massively he's this, he's so. This incredibly, you know, successful man. You know, I'm just... I write. Yes, you know, he's achieved more in his life than yeah, any. I of write us a will. crappy blog, as he, as he, you know, observed. But isn't it amazing that <laughs> that that picture was posted on his Instagram at twenty two fifty, so at 10, 10 to eleven, 10, you know, ten fifty. The game finished at mm. ten. There had been all the presentations and knobbing about on the field. Back in the changing room at what twenty past half past ten, and at ten to eleven. Uh, if at least, yeah, I'd say they wouldn't be back until at least so the half first, past, his not first later. thought after winning a Grand Slam was to take a picture of himself and then to use it to have a go at some people on the internet. It's, it's absolutely it's, bizarre. It's isn't spectacularly it? insecure, though, isn't it? It just like fair enough. Like the concept of using like negative emotions to motivate oneself is not a new one or an, an effective one. But the fact that that's the very first thing that his mind went to was to stick it to the online <laughs> haters. It just as it's a, so as small a, and petty and Ad, just, Adam, oh God. Adam Reese on Twitter man. said, hang on, I, I thought lions don't lose sleep over the opinions of sheep because that's what he said a few weeks ago. He put a meme <laughs> a few weeks yes, ago. It is. What's been quite clearly is, is that he obviously does lose quite a lot of sleep over, He's the, losing over loads the opinions of, sleep of little woolly sheep like myself and yourself, Josh. I didn't realise though because I saw his Instagram. I've I can honestly hand to God, right? I have never looked at his Instagram, ever, until that is until to your I got credit. this thing through and I, I followed through and had a look at it. And I absolutely didn't know that he's going out with Richard Madeley's daughter. I didn't know that. Yes. Imagine what that must be like. The dinner party at their house. Richard Madeley and James Haskell talking to each other. You know that game that game that you play it's... where you say, What's your perfect dinner party? and people always invite fucking Stephen Fry. <laughs> this must be like the anti one of those. Like Yeah. Well that's the how you're in a room with 
two bullets, and or you're in a room with three of them and one bullet, and you, what do you, who do you kill? That's it's that basically equation. hashtag dinner party shit watch, isn't it? Basically. <laughs> yes. If you've got any nominations for your ultimate <laughs> yeah, dinner party shit watch, shit dinner party. Richard Madeley, James <laughs> Haskell, John Inverdale. <laughs> <laughs> As my mate said uh, to me the other day, because he saw this and emailed me, and he said, he's, he said he's, he, this is unbelievable. He's basically like a white middle class Kanye West with muscles. That he's got, he's oh, got God, this kind of is, talent about him, which he has, you know. And he's a successful he person, has, but yeah. then just can't help ranting and raving about to the, the haters. And the thing is, I can imagine James Haskell embarking on some sort of ill-advised rap career. He's already started point. putting his own house mixes on SoundCloud. Oh, Which God, I he feel he's just trolling yeah. me with now, yeah. to be honest. Again, how do I know about that? Because somebody <laughs> brought it to my attention. I honestly don't go looking for this stuff, people. Please believe me out there. I do not go looking for this stuff. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> right then, uh, next one. Shit for you, Josh. Uh, John's, uh, John Sexton and his ridiculous play acting, sticking his hands in the air and demanding a penalty and then rolling around on the deck like he was injured after... The uh, yes, the yeah. yellow card incident on Saturday. Um, I mean, I, as, as as my nan would me say, wrong, rugby he spoils himself with that. He really <laughs> does. And like, don't get me wrong, rugby doesn't have much in the way of moral high ground or illusions that our game is any more respectable than any injured, other one after this we week. We don't pretend to be injured. But no, that that that, that is, it was just distasteful and unsporting. And at first and glance, I thought he was going to do the Ayatollah. I thought he was a Cardiff City fan. I thought he's. <laughs> It's just, oh god, it was awful. And equally awful, actually, was Robbie Henshaw and Simon Zebo oh. with their full-time coordinated handshake thing. Yeah, nev- you know who thinks up coordinated complex handshakes? <laughs> Dickheads in American films. And do you know who thinks that you should do that when you're on national television? Dickheads who've watched too many dickheads in American films. You're not yeah. Will Smith. This isn't the Fresh yeah. Prince of Bel-Air. Never, wa- no. never more have I wished for there to be a sniper in the crowd. <laughs> I mean, if I was Joe Smith, I would drop a pair of them forever instantly. We talked about how shit Italy were before. Tom on Twitter, um, who's, who's great value mm. on there actually, said um, hint of a gouge there from Garcia. Certain making contact with the eye area, but then again, he plays for Italy, so he's been punished enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, Italy players won't get sighted because they play for Italy. That is their punishment in in I perpetuity. Think pro- I think that's probably fair enough, to be honest. Anything else on your shit there, Josh? Uh, yes, um, drop goals. We had a little sort of chat back in the tournament about the noble yes. art of the drop goal going to shit. Well, the tournament's over and we finish with one successful drop goal attempt back in week one by Carlo Canna. That is the lowest number of drop goals scored in Six Nations history and possibly even Five Nations history, if I'm correct. Um, God. Yeah, that here's gone? a question for you. Has there ever been a fly half play as relatively poorly as George Ford and win a Grand Slam? Um, it's a tough question to off the top of your head I mean, but arguably, you see the points I'm trying to make arguably Reese Priestland was on that sort of downward shell shock curve mm. in 2012 when they won it and he wasn't at his best but yeah he's not played badly is, as, or terribly he just hasn't no been but he's just not played well really. either is he he hasn't kicked well and, and arguably both of England's scrum halves I mean they've had they've both had decent moments but it's, both it's been not been a vintage average. year for scrum house full stop apart from when the gloriously no. beautifully shiny Reese Webb announced himself yes he's basically pants. he's basically been the best scrum half in one and a half games which is slightly okay. worrying moving on to good 
Uh, yeah, Owen Farrell. I think that in all the talk about Vinopola and Itoje and, you know, even the, the wonderful Haskell, I think Farrell's excellence throughout this tournament has been sort of slightly ignored. And it's like, not only has he been playing out of position at 12 and done very, very well, I think, and he's, he's really done that nice job of, like, as the second distributor, he's, he's really got that ball out to the wide channels beyond the 13 and counteracted the blitz so well. And it's really created lots of opportunities. And also his goal kicking, like how iffy Ford is from the T when you think about that, you can easily imagine them losing a couple of games if he yeah, wasn't Imagine how bad Ford would have been he had to worry about year. kicking as well. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and Farrell has kicked down near and everything. He's actually played with and his head on get... Farrell. That's what I like. He's, he's, he's... Yes. It's not perfect, but I won't be surprised if he sticks with him at twelve a bit, you know, because I do think he has that head up yeah, way of playing. He's strong enough to carry it in if he needs to. If he'd have carried on playing rugby yeah. league, he'd have played the loose forward position in rugby league, the thirteen, like his dad used to play, yeah. carrier, distributor, yeah. kicker, you know, defensive leader. That's the that's the job he would have, and I think yeah. that's what he can do here. Like they said, the new Greenwood, you know, not as skilled as Greenwood with the ball. In yeah, hand, definitely. In terms of that pop passing. No, but I think I think he, he's brought that. He obviously was in fantastic form for Saracens before the tournament, and he's just he's quietly just without doing anything spectacular, just yeah. completely carried on being. I think excellent. he completely believes in himself, Farrell. He has this kind of complete yeah, certainty definitely. about what he does. Steely, yeah. he's like the anti-Priestland, so. you know. Right. So anything England, um, England, the Grand Slam champions. There you go. It's a good. Yes, hurrah for you. <laughs> Don't get carried away now. Come on, no. calm yourself. No fair play. Credit where credit is due. I, they are. They were. Com- you were comfortably the best team this year. You're basically the only team that didn't, at some point in the tournament, absolutely shit themselves yeah. and go to crap. You've just been. You've not been amazing, but you've been pretty good all the way through, and you've never really looked like having a wobble and that's pretty creditable while we talk about England being Grand Slam champions I will just say very quickly that our partners at dumptackle.com who make t-shirts that are rugby culture related um, Mm -hmm. have a have England Grand Slam t-shirts that they are hawking now obviously which is fair enough and they've given us a nice little discount if you use the code blood and mud grand slam or one word the word and blood and mud grand slam on one of their grand slam t-shirts you'll get 15 percent off so there you go Ooh, I, I definitely won't be buying one of those for obvious I'm reasons i'm surprised but it's a I'm good very deal. very surprised i might buy you one <laughs> i might get a double discount in fact i might insist they send you one for free <laughs> just to really rub it in i need something to do the painting you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, good for me is Vern cotter one, because I like what he does with Scotland. And yes. two, because every time I look at him, he's increasingly becoming my favourite person in the entire world. He's just got a sort of wonderful, weathered, crotchety old man vibe about him that I really enjoy. And he has but this a hard kind of, old man. He has this kind of emotionless thing like the Terminator. Mm. And I was thinking, if you, if you take a <laughs> quote from the Terminator and put his name in, it absolutely fits perfectly. When Kyle Reese in the first film says, so I'm, I'm replacing Terminator with Vern Cotter here, right? okay? I like this game already. Listen and understand. That Vern Cotter is out there. It can't be bargained with, it can't be reasoned with, and it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop, ever. <laughs> and that's the kind of man I want in charge of the Lions team. Absolutely. I am fully on board with him being Lions coach, 100%. Anything else on your good list, Josh? Uh, yes, George North. 
Remember, like, back after yes. the World Cup, we were talking about how sad it was watching him play. How times change. Um, yeah, he's properly back to it, and it's an absolute delight to watch. Like, oh, he's got better with every game of the tournament, and against Italy, I was just... As much as he scored the good tries, the things that I was really enjoying were that he was making Italy tacklers absolutely pay the price if they tried to bring him down. It was just... He was doing that thing that we were wanting him to do in the first game of the tournament where he just stuck his head down and pumped those massive legs of his and basically said, if you want to tackle me, Sunshine, this is going to hurt a lot. And and quite often he just burst through them and got a couple of extra yards. And As we said on previous... That's sort of, it's, con- said- it's just confidence for him and it's just so good to see. As we said on previous pods, it's easy to forget. I think somebody posted, is it nearly 70 caps he's got now? I don't know if it's that many, but he's got oh, a, a ridiculous... Or 28 it's just, tries yes. or something. Yeah. It, and he's 23 years old. I know, it's terrifying, isn't it? You know, he was bound to have a... Concussion aside, he was bound to have a yeah. dip in form. There You've was always to... going to be a dip. Nobody can be as good as he was when he was 18 and 19 forever. But he's looking as good as he ever has now. And yeah, okay. long may that continue. That'll do for the shit good races for this weekend, I think. Indeed. And we'll move on to looking at our shit good teams of the tournament, Josh. Yes. Have you identified your respective teams? I have, and I'll level with you. The shit was substantially easier than the good. See, I, I found it the other way around. Oh, really? Okay. I found it the other way around. But anyway, let's find out. Let's do good first. Hmm. Yes. Because I think that might there might be some agreement with this one. Yes, there might. Fullback Stuart Hogg. Uh, yes, I think honourable mention for Liam Williams because he's been very good. But um, yes. yeah, hog, hog head and shoulders. Anthony Watson wings for me. Anthony Watson and George North. Uh, yes, also I think Tommy Seymour can feel slightly hard done by, although he, he was very good for two or three games and then sort of faded a bit. But yeah, Watson and North both fantastic. I fear this is where it might start to change a little bit. Uh-huh. O- outside centre, I've got Duncan Taylor. So have I. Oof. God, this is weird. I, 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 I thought you might have gone for Campagnaro. I, I, I would honourable mention Campagnaro, but I think Taylor has just been better consistently. Obviously, he had a bit of a blotted his copybook a little bit, but yeah, and he's just he's done more. Campagnaro has been excellent, but he hasn't really scored any tries or done anything. Who's your inside centre? My inside centre. I, <laughs> I was tempted to give it to Farrell, but in the end, I kind of just went to default and went to Roberts. But I don't think it's been a very vintage year for 12s, to be honest. See, I've gone for Robbie Henshaw. See, I think he's been decent, but again, I nobody's really stood out for me. But he's actually get he gets. I think Roberts has still got this kind of you know all the heart and soul and defence in the world, but doesn't create much unless it's against Italy. Yeah, I think he kind of. I I probably would have put Farrell in there if not for Roberts's game on the weekend where he showed that if he feels like it. Yes, he can pass and he can offload and he can do all of that stuff. He just is either told or chooses not to. And yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it was a vintage year for twelves, to be honest. Halfbacks for me, I've got Sexton and Murray. Uh, I got Sexton and Sexton and Laidlaw. Um, mm. But I uh, not a vintage year for scrum halves, I don't think. No, definitely not. I mean, honourable mentions. I thought Machineau is very good in a shit French team. Yeah. And Murray's been excellent as well. And Finn Russell's been excellent. Scotland as well but obviously they don't need him because they can just sort of chop and change their tens well, they, they needed him in Ireland though didn't they I think well yeah I mean, they think they probably should have gone Peter Hall must have been fuming sat on the bench going I'd have sorted these out well yeah France they, I looked, they looked much better than Horn with Horn at 10 than they did they did 
Before, uh, yeah. Um, so, front row, I've got Evans. Yep. Rob Evans. Yep. VP Nell. Yep. And then Hooker, I've got Dylan Hartley. Uh, I've got Evans, Nell, and uh, Guillaume Gerardo, but uh, uh, it was a very close one between him and Hartley for me. I don't think you can have a, a lineup that malfunctions that badly <coughs> in the last game yeah. and, and still be in a good team, I'll be honest. Second row, Zitoji and Cruz. Yeah, I mean, Don, Donica Ryan and Tona were both good as well, I thought, but Itoji and Cruz. It was, it was not a great tournament for locks either, really. Not Adam really. Jones was pretty poor, and everybody else was a bit average. Army George was injured, wasn't he? I think it's turned out. Yeah. Then the back row, I've got CJ Stander, John yep. Hardy, and yep. Billy Vinipola. I've got Stander, Hardy, and I couldn't choose between Falato and Vinipola, to be honest. I lean towards Falato a little bit more just because I think. I had that debate last, myself, yeah. In the last two games, I think Billy kind of showed that when he's not making massive carries, he doesn't really do anything else. And, and yeah, I he's, he's going to win player of the tournament, though, isn't he? By yes, quite comfortable. Which is uh, odd. I think it's it's absolutely ridiculous that Cruis hasn't been nominated for player of the tournament. But um, I thought he was a very poor. When I was thinking about the open side berth, Hardy kind of just ended up there by default for me because everybody else was a bit shit. Yeah, and I was but, never going to pick Haskell. So. Well, no, <laughs> but like the leading turnover winners in the tournament it turned out were Alan Wynne Jones despite of his shit his injury and get this Jack fucking Noel <laughs> no, that's... Yeah, you wouldn't have called that one would you you could have given no. me 12 guesses of that and I wouldn't have got it <laughs> exactly and that sort of shows how slightly poor the open side play it's, has been it's gone the same way as drop goals getting turnovers nobody can do it anymore yeah um, right so the shit team yes Go on, you tell me yours. I told you mine for this one. You Fair tell enough. Me um, Fifteen. Um, I've actually found. I thought that it's been a decent tournament for fullbacks as well, actually. Um, but I, I plumped for Rob Carney. As did I. Just, just for making Simon Zebo look like a Test fullback by comparison, really. Yeah, that's yeah, that's all you um, need. Fourteen. It's not even a close contest. I can't even remember who played the fourteen for the French most of the time when it wasn't. Um, Fafana, but it's Alice Cuthbert quite, yep. quite easy. Alice Cuthbert. Um, 13, John Davis. He woke up in the last two games, but he was pretty shit up until then. And again, I've got, Italy, it doesn't I've really got Dante in there. Ah, uh, yeah. See, yeah. I forgot he, he was actually playing. So that says a lot. <laughs> That's just, yeah, he was terrible. But yeah, Davis, <clears throat> bad, yeah, wasn't wasn't vintage. But then made yeah. a lot of effective metres, weirdly. He did, weirdly. Um, uh, 12, I've gone for Maxime Mermoz, mainly because why is he there when Fafana is out on the wing? Just there is that, nothing against him, but just for God's sake. Um, I've got a high moaner I've got in there. Oh, yeah. Because he is just garbage. So. Yes, And he terrible. played 12 most of the tournament, weirdly. Yes, uh, I, I kind of just... Did, I didn't want to just make all my players Italy. <laughs> that was very tempting. <laughs> it would have been really easy. Um, 11, I've gone for Vakatawa, just oh, because yeah. he's obviously very good, but we he's just that one, one trial yeah. tournament. And, eh. I um, think number 10 is. <laughs> uh, arguably the worst player in this Six Nations full stop. It's got to be Jules Plisson, isn't it? Jules Plisson and his amazing geometric gyroscope brain. Yes, when I said that nobody in France had any, like they all had individual ideas about what they wanted to happen, he's got about five at the same time that he's all trying to execute all of the ideas. You've got, um, got nine. Um, Bezzi or Eduardo Gori, take your I, pick. Yeah, I had Gori, both, hopeless, yeah. both hopeless, both dropped. Um, front then row. front row, 
I've gone for Lavotti. Remember yeah. when Italy could scrummage? Yeah. Um, Ross Ford and Dan Cole. Not because he's particularly bad, but just he was the most penalised player in the tournament because he still thinks he's a seven. Stop it. Just yeah. stop doing it. And he's got You're a face like it. a Bulgarian folktale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't, like stop going over the ball. You're not very good at it. You just keep getting pinged. It's not. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, I had Rory Best at hooker. I wasn't that impressed. Yeah, really. I, I didn't think he was that great. Not a great but, leader either, I don't think. But that's no, what you get I when think... you have it voted by committee, as we covered well, some weeks ago. Yes, exactly. Okay, Who second row. Tight head? Um, uh, second row, I've got George Biaggi. Um, it was just because of Italy. Yeah. And five, Alan Wynne Jones. I know he was injured, but he was pretty shit and he shouldn't have been playing. Okay. Uh, and then back row, Francesco Minto. I remember when he looked quite good and he fucking doesn't anymore. That's yeah, sure. I had Zani in mine. And he looked yeah. like a world beater for a while. And he just looks completely washed up now, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, seven, Haskell. Um, one good game against Wales does not an international seven make. And let's not forget that he managed to make himself a liability in pretty much every single game but the last one. See, he said that, not me. I wanted to go on record <laughs> that he said that, not me, because I've picked I will Justin Tipperick. I will he take said that, that, not me, because I have picked Fair Justin Tipperick at seven. I would have happily let you t- take Sam Warburton there as well. It was not a vintage year of sevens no. at all. And uh, speaking of bad players who probably shouldn't be playing for their countries, um, David Denton. Yeah, my David eight. Denton, yeah. Yeah. Not an international Just... class eight, I'm afraid. No, he's really not. He starts at eight, Scotland lose two of two, he's out of the squad, two from three. They he doesn't win. run his so... weight. He doesn't run his weight No, he really doesn't. And, 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 and really he doesn't do much else. So... Yeah, and he's not really Scottish either, is he? He's a <laughs> South African. Oh, well, we don't want to go down that road, do we? No, we can all be in there. trouble. But yeah, it's a... Uh... So there you go. There's our shit teams and good teams of the mm. tournament. Um, we'll maybe just whack those up on Twitter in surname form just so you can Indeed. see them. Or maybe I'll do a blog post about it now that Josh <clears throat> has basically written it for me. Yeah. Uh, right, let's move on very quickly yes. to how the hell did he get a cap, which is our um, uh, our special feature about looking at people we don't know how they got caps. And this week, last week it was a, a, about a brilliant centre, Yannick Jojon. This so week it it's about not a very good centre, which is <laughs> Scotland's Marcus de Rolo who if he could play as well as he was named we'd all be talking about it greatly but that's what it is <laughs> well it was it's, I always remember that his first appearance for Scotland was against the Barbarians in that Jonah Lomu game and like I think he got he sat scored, down like, quite badly yeah. oh god he went about six feet backwards and landed on his arse but well, to be fair arguably, to Marcus he's not the only one who's had that done to him well no but it was the, the spectacular distance with which he flew I mean he might well have taken that as a hint but um, he did not. He had, twen- he had some talent and ability, though, but not enough of it. He, was 20- he had 21 caps and scored two tries, one against the Pacific Islands in a non-cap test, test and one against Samoa. But <laughs> to be fair, they were, it was 11-11 versus Samoa. It was a pretty tight and awkward yes. game. Mm. Um, he signed, weirdly, this is the weird thing about Marcus Doro. He wasn't very good. and he Was it Matt, <clears throat> Matt Williams didn't like him and Frank Haddon did, or was it the other way around? I think that was it. He basically was... I, for me, he, he typifies that Frank Haddon era of Scottish rugby. Where, remember when they lost thirty-seven seventeen at home? To yeah, he, he was well embroiled he in that. that. Yeah, he was. Start, he was he started in that. that at home. Thirty-seven yeah. seventeen to Italy at home. There's a point at which, if you watch the YouTube of that, there's a point at which Chris Chris Cusseter looks like obviously somebody's stolen all of his lunch money, and Tron Con <laughs> comes over and kind of pats him on the face, and I think genuinely giving him sympathy. But the two yeah. men, Tron Con's there looking like this bouncer doorman. 
Absolutely. And then you've got Cust looking at this cherub who's crying, basically. It's a wonderful <laughs> image when you watch it. Um, I mean, that entire tournament for Scotland was absolutely... We might be making Marcus Tadola responsible for how bad Scotland were during that tournament. Yeah, I mean, they shipped, what was it, three tries in, seven, in the first seven minutes. Yeah, they got hammered which... by England that year. Yeah, they did. Who did they? Was... Who did? But they did win one game, Josh. You remember which game they did win in two thousand and seven? Oh, I, I can. I can remember them winning one of the worst games of rugby that has ever. <laughs> and who taken was that place. against? I can't. I can't possibly remember. <laughs> it was Wales. Well, a mate of mine actually went up to on a jolly to Edinburgh to watch that game as a Wales fan, a silly boy, and uh, proceeded to have one of the worst eighty minutes of his life, and then got on the wrong bus home and ended up somewhere in deepest darker Scotland instead of going to the centre of Edinburgh <laughs> to get pissed so yeah imagine that that was probably Marcus Dorolo's fault as well <laughs> I mean to be honest well. Italy if you look at Scot- that Scotland team they couldn't mm. score a try in fact they'd have probably had about an average of about one point per game if it wasn't for Chris Patterson's boot Basically, because he just yes. kicked every single point they had that year mm. What's, do you know what my favourite bit of tri- trivia about Chris Patterson is what's that he is he's He's the player with the most caps not to do something or not to go somewhere. You think what that might be? He's never been to a World Cup? No. Lions yeah. Tour? The player oh, with yeah. the most caps never selected for a Lions Tour. Says a lot, doesn't it? Really? The next one off the rank is Gareth Llewellyn. Mm. There you go. Rugby mm. trivia. Mm. Right then. That's the end of How the Hell Did You Get a Cap for this week. And that brings us yes. to the end of this week's pod. Um. However, we obviously still do have the loop to do, which we do every week, which is the world's first and only um, rugby-related, never-ending and ongoing playlist. Um, a lot of people saying this England game isn't, or this England victory and Grand Slam isn't something that you should be crowing about too much. It's a victory of sorts, but some might say it's a small victory, Josh. Oh, I see what you've done. There. See what I've done there. So this week's yes. loop is a small victory by Faith No More. <laughs> this is. This pod is available, by the way, on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Please, if you're on iTunes and you're a subscriber, thank you very much. The numbers have been going up every week, but please just leave us a, a bit of a star rating and a few comments. That'll be great. If you want to get in touch mm-hmm. with the blog, us. if you want to get in touch with the blog, you can do it via me at Blood and Mud or Josh at Josh Gardner. We'll leave you this week again, as I just said, with from Angel Dust, the 1992 album, I believe, by Faith No More. We're back in our heartland. We're back in my heartland, let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I saw them on this tour. Guns and Roses. Wow. Soundgarden and Faith No More on the usual on the usual. Well, you say that, but it was the usual illusion tour. And uh, Guns N' Roses were at their yeah. full bloated nightmarish best. But Faith, I'm surprised they even turned up. Well, Faith No More and Soundgarden were great. But anyway, finishing with a small victory by Faith No More. See you next week, Josh. Yes. Thanks very much. Take it. Oh
Niall lives on a hill, a very steep hill, which is great for the calf muscles, but when it comes to squeezing in and out of that parking space between the neighbours' pride and joy, Niall begins to worry. I wonder if they use recycled plastic to make all the recycling bins. In the new Dacia Duster with automatic gearbox and hill start assist, at least hills are nothing to worry about, and from only €45 per week on the road, nor is the price. Visit the Dacia sales event from the 18th to the 20th of November. Don't worry. 
Be Duster. Offer made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. See Dacia.ie. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.